Welcome to the weekly podcast of East Point Church of God. Pastor Larry Sterling, we invite you to join us in a service soon. We're located at 379 Avenue A, East Point, Florida. Our service times are 11 a.m. and 6 p.m. on Sundays and 7 p.m. on Wednesdays. We pray that this week's message inspires you to shine the light of Christ to those around you. To us, and there's a lot of thankfulness that we're just coming out of Thanksgiving season, and we're focusing in on what God is going to be doing for us. And so, as I as I looked at all these things and praying about today, the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart, and as the greatest gift that we could ever receive is salvation, salvation. But I fear, and my greatest fear is that we don't fully understand what it means to be saved. That we don't understand the enormity of salvation and that we don't understand the privilege of salvation. Because in many occasions, in many cases, we, we sometimes can be neglectful as a church to allow you to understand that it's more than just getting out of hell and going to heaven. There is more to salvation than than you just not worrying about being forever uh, in hell, which is, you know what, is if that's all it was, that's a great thing. That's a wonderful thing. But it's, it goes deeper than that. It's fuller than that. Salvation is a literal change of where your destiny lies, but also where you are right now. It changes your reflection. It changes your character. It changes who you are. The, Bible, the better definition of salvation is born again. You're a new creation in Christ Jesus. You have been changed from darkness into light. You're now changing your direction. You're changing your heart. You're changing everything about yourself as the Holy Spirit begins to alter your destiny and begins to alter your life. You need to be a new creation in Christ. Now, as I was praying about where to go and how to explain to you what salvation and the enormity of salvation and the depth of salvation, that the Holy Spirit brought me back to Romans chapter 8. The understanding the greatest gift that God has given to us, we have to go to one of the greatest chapters that God has given to us. And so let's look at this beginning at the very part of, very first part of this in Romans chapter 8 verse 1. The Bible says, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Now here's the greatest news you're going to hear all day. You are not condemned for your sins. Jesus came to save you from your sins. You are no longer attributed, your sins are no longer attributed to your account. So at salvation, what the Bible tells us here in this passage is that if you walk in his life-giving spirit, if you walk in his life-giving power and don't walk according to your flesh, there is no condemnation for you. Now this, this, this understanding the, the principle of this. What is your flesh? Your flesh is, some people will define it as sinful nature, but your flesh is your five senses. It's what, it's how you perceive the world. It's how you think. It's how, it's, it's how you touch. You, you go around the world and you think about, you look at this wall here and you say, okay, that wall is white. I perceive by sight that that wall is white. 
What God is telling us in this passage is that those who walk in the spirit are not making their decisions based upon what they can see, what they can taste, and what they can feel, and what they can hear. They're not making their decisions based on those things. They're making their decisions based on the spirit of God connecting in their lives, and they're walking according to the spirit. And sometimes you'll make decisions that don't make sense to everybody around you, but you know that the Spirit of God is speaking to your life. Salvation allows you to understand that for the first time in your life, the sin that was going to kill, steal, and destroy your life, your destiny, your home, your family, those things are going to be gone because you're starting to listen to the Spirit of God. So understand salvation goes deep within. It's a connection to God. The Bible says in verse 2, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do and that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh. On account of sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. Simply being like this. Jesus Christ came and looked like you and talked like you and spoke like you as a human being. He became one of us in order for you and I to be saved. He was in the likeness of sinful flesh. This does not mean that he was sinful. It's just that he looked like a human being. He condemned sin in the flesh by by living that perfect life that each one of us could not do. The Bible tells us in verse 4 that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the spirit. So what you are doing is that the law of God is still in effect right now. And what you are doing by walking in the spirit, you are trusting in the perfect life of Jesus Christ that has fulfilled the law, that has fulfilled everything. You're trusting in him in order to be all that God has called you to be. Verse 5, for those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. Jesus said it like this. Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and its righteousness. And all these other things shall be added unto you. When you set your mind to where you're going to eat and what you're going to wear and where you're going to work. And you set your mind to all these other things that the flesh desires and understands. Then what you are doing is you are walking according to the flesh and not according to the salvation. Because when you seek the kingdom of God, he gives gives you all these other things. Not only does he want to give you salvation and you're listening to him, but he wants to bless you. He wants to clothe you. He wants to feed you. He wants to give you good gifts. He wants to be all your all in all. He wants to be your deliverer, your conqueror. He wants to be everything you need him to be, but you've got to seek him first. Him first. So to be carnally minded is death, meaning that if I put my mind upon the things of the world and where I'm going to work and all that, if I put my work first before Jesus, if I put my environment first before Jesus, the ultimate end in therein is death. And we're not living according to being saved. 
So then verse 8 says, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin. But the spirit is life because of righteousness. But the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. You have a promise right there in scripture. When this body of death dies, I'm going to have a new body, a new life, a new change. I'm going to be delivered right there. Not because I'm listening to the voice of something that's dying. I'm not listening to the voice of this thing that's dying. I'm not listening, even though it's shouting very, very loud. There are sometimes you push the plate away. There are sometimes you pray before you do anything. There are sometimes you change your perspective because if I listen to the flesh, I'm listening to something that's going to die. But if I listen to the spirit, I'm listening to something that's never going to die. In fact, that's going to give me life. Amen. So, At the first here, the first thing is Paul is telling us about salvation is don't listen to your flesh. Listen to the Spirit. What is the Spirit of God telling you? What is the Holy Ghost speaking over your life? What is the Holy Ghost speaking over your family and your house? You may have to do something that might be strange to your neighbors and your friends and your loved ones. You may have to give up a job or do a thing or maybe go back to school or something. But listening to God is what's going to bless you. It's what's going to change you. It's what's going to help you survive in this dark and dying world. Verse 12. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. But if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many are as led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Now this transitions us into a whole other plane of being. You see, at first, you're you're saved. You're understanding your salvation. And it's nice that He's done this for you. It's nice that He has given this to you. I can give you a gift and we're not related. You know, I might might be really nice and buy you a new car and hand you the keys and say, here you go. And you say, man, this is a nice thing anybody's ever gave to me. But that doesn't make you my brother. That doesn't make you my sister. That doesn't make you my relative. That doesn't make you anything different. Our relationship, you may think I'm a super nice guy, but that has not changed our relationship. You're still not my blood. You're still not my flesh. You're still not related to me as according to the terms of this world. But what God has said is that when you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, your entire relationship with God changes. Where you are now is not where you were before you were a child of the devil is what Jesus called us and now we've been adopted by a new father and given his spirit and a new change in life I have gifts now that I live uh, because of salvation because he's my father now you see it's not that God gave you a gift and let you go about your way he adopted you out of this world adopted you out of darkness adopted you out of pain adopted you out of destiny that was going to hell and said why don't you walk this way with me and you can be my daughter and you can be my son and you can live forever with me 
For as many are as led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For, verse 15, for you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The essence here, Abba is for, is, is a Hebraic term that refers to the, uh, an endearing term that you, we would use today like daddy. It's something to tell God that there is an intimate relationship with God. Let me ask you a question. How close to the Father are you? Are you close enough to call him daddy? Abba Father is what he desires. He said he wants you to be so near to him. Like my daughter will run to me and she will call daddy and she will jump up in my arms and I will be happy to receive. Because I love her. Because she's my daughter. God has adopted you. Are you close enough to him that when the world starts collapsing and things don't make sense in your life and you don't have the answers to what the dark world is doing and that you can run to the lap of the Father, as the Bible says in another place, boldly approach the throne and cry out, Abba, Father, are you close to him? Because that's what he wants for you. He doesn't want you to be far away from him where he's just kind of directing your path and you're kind of on your own thing and you're independent. He wants to be actively involved in your life. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. You see, when we, we fear what we do not understand. I don't understand tomorrow. I'm not in my tomorrow. I, I'm in my this moment right now, but my father is in my tomorrow. And in fact, Jesus is in my tomorrow. He's in my present and he's in my past. He has washed away all the sins of my past. He is saving me from the sins that I'm uh, right now that would come in my way that he's preventing from hitting me. And he's in my future delivering me from any trap that the devil has set before me tomorrow and the next day and the next day after that jesus is omniscient omnipresent he is everywhere at all times there is only one place that you can be and that is safe in the arms of jesus no matter where you are on your timeline of life jesus has you safe in his arms so why does this mean anything because we should not be afraid of tomorrow we should not be afraid of today we should not be afraid of anything in this world because jesus is already on our side spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of god so then the challenge changes here we've gone from father we've gone into the jesus's work and now the work of the spirit has moving into our lives and now he works in us and bears witness with us and speaks to us and says you're my son you're my daughter i love you and he speaks over you every morning this morning the father said to you i love you did you hear him did you hear him? Did you hear your father say, I love you? Did you hear your father speak over you today? If you didn't, draw closer. There's too much in between you and the father. Draw closer. Draw closer. Because verse 17 says, if you're his child, then you're an heir. An heir of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. We are a joint heir in Christ. That means everything Christ has is ours. An heir. It means something that when you're an heir of someone's uh, estate, everything that has been given to you through that estate, it belongs to you. Someone cannot take it away from you. It is yours. When you are a joint heir with Christ, that means I am joined to Christ. When you are saved today, you are joined with Jesus Christ and all that Jesus has is yours. What is, what is, what does Jesus have? Jesus has eternal life. Jesus has love. Jesus has hope. Jesus has peace. Jesus has joy unspeakable and full of glory. 
glory. Jesus has glory and the radiance of that glory is what surrounds us. Jesus has all the things of the world and all things by him and for him exist. Let me tell you something. When you are connected to Jesus, there is nothing in front of you that can stop a saved person that is filled with the spirit of God, listening to the voice of God because everything that is good belongs to you because it belongs to Jesus. So, the, so that's the second thing. You are connected as a son. When you are saved, you know, number one, you're not living according to the, what you see, the flesh. You're living, number two, according to the fact that you are a son, you're a daughter, that you, your, your position has changed, your relationship has changed. But then the third thing, Paul goes on to, verse 18, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Now Paul changes our, our, our wishy-washy mindset of what, what Christianity is really about. Paul drops the bomb here in this moment. He says this, There's going to be trouble in your life. There's no one in here that can say, After I got saved, I didn't have any trouble the rest of my life. Because... You know, i like to meet you if it's the truth. Because we're still in this world. We're still living and talking and breathing in this world. And we are suffering in this world. We are living in this world. But now, Paul says, the suffering that we experience in this world cannot be compared to the glory that is going to be revealed on that day. I'm still, there are pain that we feel when our loved ones depart, when they're gone. There are troubles that we feel, but uh, when, when things don't work out, when dreams don't make, come to fruition like we dreamed them, there is pain in this world. But what we know is that what is in front of us is greater than the pain that we're experiencing right now because we're saved. For this earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. For creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself will also be delivered from the bondage of corruption from the, into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. Not only that, but we also who have been the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan grown within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption and the redemption of our body. For if for we were saved into this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For who, why does one still hope for what he sees? So what basically Paul is describing here very briefly is that creation hasn't been even redeemed yet. We're all in this thing together. We're all in this thing together. There's going to be pain. There's going to be suffering. It's around this. And even creation is eagerly expecting that change. And we haven't seen it yet. That's why we call it hope. Verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings that which cannot be uttered. 
Now here's the transition moment here. This is the change. Because you're saved, the Spirit of God comes into your life and lives in your life. Now as you grow deeper and grow further and go further into the Holy Spirit, and as you are baptized in His presence, the power of God then comes in on you. And now you are able to speak. The Spirit of God speaks through groanings in your being. When you don't know what to pray. You know, there are many, many times when I don't know what to pray. I don't know what the answer is. I don't know how to pray. I just know that somehow there's this pain, there's this trouble, there's this trial. And so what I need is the Spirit of God to pray through me. There is groanings and pain. So here's the thing. The enemy says, don't you want to live in the world? And, and the world is, but the world is going to die. And the world is going to end up in death and smoke. The world is going to be destroyed. And we got to look at this and we say, there's nothing that this world could offer me. And so when I need help, even when I don't know what to do, this is the advantage that we have. Even when we don't know what to pray, the Spirit of God comes inside of us. So not only are we walking in the Spirit, not only have we been adopted as sons he also says I'm also going to put my spirit in you so that you can pray and seek me and call down things that you don't even know what to call down and the belief for things that you don't even know what to believe for and ask things that you don't even know what to ask for I'm going to give you all that you have need of through my spirit and verse 27 for he, now he who searches the hearts knows what is in the mind of the Spirit because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Now, here's the th essence of this. The Spirit of God is now on your behalf. The enemy comes in and fights you and hits you with this trial and hits you with this pain and hits you with the suffering. And then, this is how big God is. He says, here's my spirit. Pray against it. And when you don't know what to pray, I'm going to give you the words to pray. But then, here's what's going to happen. No matter what the enemy throws at you, I'm going to somehow turn it for good. I wish you'd get this. So now, so now you're living in trouble. Now you're living in struggle. But he's changed your destiny. You're now a son of God. Now you're a daughter of God. And then it goes on beyond that. Then he says, okay, I'm going to put my spirit in you so that you can pray when you don't know what to pray. And then the third thing is, and after all of that, I'm going to make sure that the end result is good. That it will not be evil, and it will not be harmful, that it will not destroy you, that your life will not be destroyed. I'm going to make certain of it. So then what does he say? Verse 29. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. So here's what he has done. I said earlier that Jesus is in your future. Here's what he's doing. He's over in your future, foreknowing and foreknowing, or however you want to say that. He is in there understanding what is going to happen in your tomorrow and because he knows what's going to happen into your tomorrow he's already working everything out for your good even though you don't understand what it is right now and even though you cannot fathom how it's going to be turned he's already there because he foreknew you he understood you he predestined you this means that I am a victor in Jesus Christ you are a victor in Jesus Christ no matter no matter what weapon, no matter what enemy, no matter what trial,
while. He's already in your tomorrow beating down the devil so that when you get there, he's going to say, you've been foreknew. I knew that you would be here. I knew that you would call on me. I knew that you would be there. And I am going to exalt. I am going to lift you up. I am going to set you free. I am going to bless you because I know where you are. All because you're saved. All because you're saved. Not because you're, not because we got fire insurance, but because you're in this relationship with the Father who has changed your destiny into a son, who has now put his spirit inside of your life, who now tells you no matter what you go through, I'm going to turn it for your good, who now says in your tomorrow, already beating down the enemy to destroy what the enemy's going to do so that you, when you get to your tomorrow, you're going to be elevated to where God has you as a called, justified, delivered, and glorified as verse 30 calls us. So then, Paul says, because you're saved, verse 31, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? If God is for us, if all these things are true about the saved, who in the world would ever try to come against the child of God? Because when you start fighting against me, it's not going to end well for you. Because my God is already in tomorrow. You may think that you've got the upper hand today, but he's already beat you tomorrow. And on the next day and the next day after that, you may think you have the upper hand on the child of God. But God has already won the battle and the victory in that. If this is true, then if God is for us, who? Who can be against you? Can anything rising up against you stop you? Can any trial coming against you can put you down? No, God is with you. Who can be against us? The Bible says God loves you so much. He cares for you so much. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him freely give us all things? You need joy. He's going to give you joy. You need strength. He's going to give you strength. You need victory. He's going to give you victory. Anything that you have need of is yours. Anything in your spirit that you're going to need tomorrow. If you're going to need your strength, you're going to need your sustenance. You're going to need anything What? Whatsoever, it is yours today, right now. Feast upon the Lord and partake of his goodness, for the Lord is good and his mercy endures from generation to generation. Then Paul says, then who's going to bring a charge against you? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. The devil says, didn't you do this? Didn't you do that? Didn't you sin? Yes, but God has changed me. God has delivered me. God has set me free. And if God's the one that justified me, if God's the one that set me free, if God's the one that's, that has delivered me from my sins, then who can bring a charge against the God? It's God that's doing it. So when the devil accuses you and reminds you of everything you do, remember that he's also accusing God and God is going to step in and have his way with the devil over your life. And so verse 33 goes on. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justified. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died. For with furthermore, it is also risen, even at the right hand of God, who shall also makes intercession for us. Now, now it gets even better. Okay, the devil accuses you and says, how dare you 
call yourself a child of God. We stand there and we say, it's God that is your talking to devil. It's the, it's God who you're speaking to. I didn't earn it. I didn't deserve it, but he calls me. He delivered me. He set me free. And now, now all, if you try to condemn me, I want to tell, remind you devil that it's not me that died. It's Jesus Christ who died for my sin. It's him who's risen from the dead. I know I'm not worthy. I know I can't deserve it. And I know I can't earn it, but you're coming against the risen savior and you're not, and you're not going to win this battle because you lost already the first time. And you go on at the right hand of God. Now it's Jesus. Now Jesus is on your side and he's standing before God. And when you're in the midst of a trial and you're in the middle of struggle, it's Jesus who is by the Father looking down at you saying, do you remember this person here? Do you remember her? Do you remember her father? He begins to intercede on your behalf. He begins to call your name out. Not only this morning did the Father tell you that he loved you, but the second thing that happened, Jesus prayed for you. He looked into your day today and he prayed over your day. Did you pray over your day? Because Jesus prayed over your day. Jesus interceded over your day on your behalf. Man, this is the best news you're going to hear all Christmas. Jesus interceded for you. You don't know what's going to happen when you leave this church. You don't know what's going to happen on the next day or the next day after that. But you know that Jesus is calling on the name of the Father on your behalf, telling the Father about you and about your need and about your situation and about where you are. And when you don't know what to pray, he sends his spirit to connect with his words. And it's together working in this in this uh, symbolic relationship here. You are being blessed and favored of the Lord and being talked to by God. And then God is hearing your prayer I'm telling you it's a good thing to be saved when now everything else falls around you you're saved you are saved you are saved you are saved and then we find out the Bible tells us in verse 35 now because of all this who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or the sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as, as sheep for the slaughter. So here's what happens. He says, who, who, who can separate us, or what can separate us from the love of Christ? No one, no person, no event, nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. Now, he says, tribulation, distress, persecution... And then, as some holier-than-thou Christians sometimes like to say, doesn't the Bible say we've got to be this distressed and persecuted and killed and all these things? Verse 36, don't we have to do all this? Don't you have to die? Don't you have to do all these things? Isn't that what the Word of God says? And look what Paul says. Yet in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. That even though we're going to face trials and persecution and tribulation, yet we are more than conquerors. And none of those trials and none of those persecution and none of that problem in your life is going to separate you from the love of God. We are conquerors. So ultimately, not only has he saved us, 
Not only has he given us his spirit, not only has he changed our destiny, not only has he working all things for his, our good, not only is he in our future taking care of our trials, he's also interceding and praying for us. And on the other side of that, he's also declared us victors in Christ Jesus that no matter what tribulation is there, he has already declared that you're victor. You know, at the end of, at the end of uh, football games, the referee will say he declares that the game is over. Over. The time is up, and whoever wins is the person with the most score on the scoreboard at that time. And you can't stop it; you can't change it. That's the re- the, the cruel reality. If your team lost, or the, uh, the jubi- jubilation, if your team won, you can't go back. It's over. I want to tell you, the devil can't go back on you. He cannot change the fact that God has already declared you a conqueror. He's already declared that you're a conqueror. He's already said, it's over. The devil says, well, what about this? No, it's over. You, what about this thing that they did? No, it's over. No, what about this trial that they're in? No, it's over. They win. They win. They win. For I am persuaded, Brother Garrett, I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Paul reemphasizes this. Ultimately, it ends with the process of this, that nothing is going to take you away from his love. You hear me this morning? You're in the midst of trial. You're in the midst of pain. You're in the midst of suffering. You're in the midst of where you are. I want to tell you, it's not, it's not over yet. Why? Because he's got, he has to get the victory. He has to get the victory. You see, even if your tribulation ends in this body dying, it's going to die anyway. But the devil can't take your soul. The devil can't take your take you who you are your essence he can't take your soul he can't take who you are in christ the devil cannot steal the victory that god has given to you nothing is going to separate you from his love amen thank you for listening to the weekly podcast of east point church of god and pastor larry sterling The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.